Hi everyone and welcome to a new episode of The Pill of Success. I'm delighted you're here and today I have such a special episode for you. So I recommend you to just lean back, bring some tissues because this is going to be strong. I have talked to one of the most heroic women I've ever met, Christine Willimu from Nairobi, Kenya talks about her story and how she has helped so many women and girls through education and through never hurting another woman again. So I would just say really enjoy this episode and hope it inspires you to do some small tweaks in your life. It definitely did that for me and I think this is such a beautiful reminder for all of us uh, of what's out there and how we all can learn from one another. Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> how are you? Very well, thank you. Oh, it's so nice to hear your voice. I'm here. Good afternoon from Nairobi. Yeah, good afternoon from Oslo. <laughs> <laughs> This is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say as a background that my parents or my father, his heart was in Africa. <laughs> you know? his, oh. Yeah, his, um, they, they, my mother and father in 1968, they quit their jobs and, and they left for uh, a road trip for 18 months. Wow. Almost two years. So they bought like this uh, Volkswagen car, this, uh, yeah, this big travel car, <laughs> camping car. And mm -hmm. uh, they just went through Sahara all the way down through, you know, Nairobi and Kenya and all, 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 all over. And I have so many pictures and I just framed some of the pictures with my father did was a really big hobby photographist. And I will send you some pictures because it's, it's really amazing to, to, it's really touching to look at them. I don't know. We are brought up in such different cultures and people think so differently about what it means to make a difference in life, uh, you know, many times we just think accumulating stuff and, and having your name written on a lot of things is what life is all about. You can imagine what your father thought of just taking a, a road trip and just seeing what the world is all about. And I wonder what that was like, you know, passing through unknown places, language barrier, and you still know the big picture is I'm going here and I must get there. Wow. That's so true. And my, and they had a lot of courage and it was very dangerous at times. And they were I know. happy to survive. Well, they were in Afghanistan right after world war and through Iran and India, you know. And so there were lots of dangers also in, in the small places in Africa and they were oh. sleeping and yeah. But I, I guess they had faith and and they they had humor and stamina enough to and they just loved it. I know that even through the dangers and life threats. Yes. <laughs> Would you do that yourself? Me, Would you I take I'm, a road trip and I don't think so. The unknown. Well, I, I think my road trip has been more an inner road trip. Yeah. Wow. 
Okay. <laughs> Is it okay to share yeah. something about like where, where oh, you yeah. come from Why and not? that? That's so curious Why not? about that. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you everything, yeah. you know. Yes. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> all that you want to hear, uh, yeah. maybe starting from exactly where I am right now, what yeah. I do with the women and the girls. Yes. Please. I have this tagline on my Facebook page. I say, uh, never hurt another woman, help one woman. Yeah. I think um, it was just... Uh, I got to a place in my life where I just wished that somebody had just helped me, you know, wow. instead of uh, people looking out for, why did you miss out on this? How did you fail this exam? How come you've not gone as far as your siblings or your, your friends have gone, your peers? I just wished somebody would have just helped me even without asking me, mm. what kind of help would you like? You know, just to listen to yourself and think, okay, if I helped one person in this way, it would really push them a long way. Yeah. So uh, I think I had gotten to that place in school where I just wished my classmates would have helped me. Um, you know, my, I wish my teachers understood where I was coming from and just helped me. So for me, helping somebody out without really having to understand why I need to help you Yeah. It really means a lot. I, I I do I do very awkward things sometimes. Yeah. Like recently, I was at a supermarket and I saw a lady buy two two packets of milk and one packet of of flour, maize flour, and she was going through her purse and counting her money, yeah. and you know, looking at the things that she had put in her shopping basket like to say, I just have this money, it has to be enough for this. So I just, I just said, excuse me, is it okay for me to, to pay your bill? You know, because I saw she was really trying to make the money be enough. Yeah. And I was buying, what the groceries I was buying, I was using my credit card. It's not that I had cash money and it, it, it's not that I had money on my debit card. No, I just felt like, Okay, I'm, I'm using my credit card to buy food also for my children and my grandchildren. And she's trying to make this money get so enough. Mm. And I'm thinking just how she left home and she's just saying, I must go back home with. And I didn't even talk to her. She said, oh, please give me your, your phone number. What's your name? And I just said, that's it. You know, no phone number. I'm not leaving a forwarding address, nothing. I just felt like... Well, if I if I paid your bill, you will give it forward maybe to another yeah. woman or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I think um, I'm in that space where just help somebody and not even somebody, just help a woman because I don't know, our setup in our culture is that women work so hard yeah. that... I don't know whether it is something that was just brought, built up in us or we were meant to take up responsibility from, from men most of the time. And sometimes the women want to put on a straight face mm -hmm. and just look like everything is okay. But then they, they would feel embarrassed maybe to just say it's not okay. I feel like 
you know, I'm falling and the place I'm falling to is bottomless. I'm not reaching the end of this fall. And I watched, I watched my mother when um, I was trying to go through school and things were just not working out for me because of silent background struggles. Yeah. And uh, she, one particular thing that really made me, made my heart get attached to her is when I was repeating an exam for the third time. And you know, in our culture, if you failed an exam the first time as a girl, the next thing you are going to do is to get married. You know, it doesn't matter what yeah. age, you're yeah. 13, you're 14. But for some reason, I really wanted to go to school. I really wanted to go to school. But then school wasn't easy for me because I had house chores to do. I had younger siblings to maybe look after. I had my mom to help with the house. This time around, this story, I'm at my mom's house. I'm a little girl, but I'm just going through my own thoughts and wondering if I don't make it through school. So what is this that will really go on? But then this morning she, she stands at the gate and watches me go. And in my mind, I'm thinking, what could she be thinking? Maybe she's praying for me. Maybe she's just hoping that this time around I make it. Maybe I don't know what she's thinking about. And she never talked about it until, you know, the exam results were out and I was ready to go to high school. And I, I, I literally made it to, you know, in our country, they had, um, they had segmented schools. There would be national schools where students would go from all over the country. And they, they had um, provincial schools and they had... Uh, um, county schools where anybody else went. So I made it to that one top school wow. and I could not believe what had happened. I was just thinking, Grace picked me up or what? Wow. I don't know. Can I ask you something? <laughs> why, why did your mother not send you to get you married after your first exam failed, if that was the tradition? No, I, I, I really, I, I was so scared of so many things. My father was, um, I, I was, my father was a very spiritual person, actually. Okay. But he didn't even have that conversation of, you know, get married or what. They, they wouldn't really, my parents wouldn't say that because they were not in that group of parents who would look around and tell you, okay, you go, get going. But right. the community mm-hmm. would dictate for the girls, because then the girls of my age will, everybody would sleep away and I would find myself all by my, uh, all alone. And I'm thinking, where did everybody go? Oh, people got married and people are having children. We are 14, we are 13, you know. And my grandmother had 16 kids and I'm thinking, okay, get married at, get married at 14. I might have 20. (laughs) Anyway. I can laugh at it now. Yeah, of course. I mean, we can laugh, but we can cry. It's almost the same, right? Yeah, yeah. Those were many. Actually, those were really many. I don't even understand what that was all about. A whole team, a whole village. Anyway, um, so I'm here. I'm going to school. And deep down in my heart, I know I'm that student that if I don't focus completely, I lose it. So in my heart, I'm just praying that I'll find uh, girls in that school who will be able to support me on my journey. So this business of supporting somebody on the journey began long time ago in my mind as a small child. I just kept on feeling, 
if somebody supports one person, you, your life would be different. Yes. You only need people one person. People from different backgrounds. Yes. They had money in their families. Uh, they, are, they are rich families in this country, actually, just like every other country where families are so rich, you don't even understand. They don't understand the story of, I don't have, I can't afford. They don't know. So one of these, the school where I went to was actually the school of the rich kids from the rich suburbs. And, and the, the, the school letter that we would receive would say, this is a high cost school. You cannot bring your child if you can't afford. Right. So my dad read that line, but he still took me anyway. Wow. So we, 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 we lived on a very, I think, I don't know. I think um, my mind got shut off from what everybody else had. I didn't sort of see that they had so much. They're not struggling. I, I just had this little... I had this little suitcase when I got to school. I was wondering, what are people carrying? Because it was a boarding school. Oh. Why are people having such big boxes? <laughs> What's in there? <laughs> I thought I just needed to have one piece of soap, one pair of shoes, one change of cloth, and I'm going to have a school uniform. And what's everybody carrying? I don't know. <laughs> but sort of my mind yeah. got locked. I didn't see. I, I, didn't, I didn't get to find out, oh, uh, Penina, what are you having? Oh, Mary, what, what is it you're having? What's going on? What? I didn't know. And then the, the, the school had so many activities. People would be would be going for movies and you pay for it. People would be going for dances and you pay for it. I didn't even know those things were going on. Yeah. I just knew my dormitory, my school dining hall, the school classrooms, there was a library, mm -hmm. and I just, my world became very small. Wow. So I think that's how I got through it. Once in a while I would notice there is a party and I would wonder, okay, what's the party? And they'd say, some parents have come and they're celebrating a birthday party. What's that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, those kind of things sort of just walked past me. Yeah. But then when I was in my second year, one particular girl noticed I was really struggling with just the basic things, pads, you know, oil, what, and she came to my small room and she was talking to me and she said, Christine, you know, I really would like to help you, yeah. um, but I, I'm not going to give you money. I'm not going to share the money that my parents are giving to you. And she literally said, my parents are rich, mm. but I notice that you're struggling. And that time, my mom would be coming to the school compound with, I don't know what you call it in your country, but here we call it maize. Some countries, they call it corn, you know, the corn that you, you, you harvest maize and you have maize flour. For many countries abroad, it is a, it's a, an animal feed 
for us, yeah. it is a staple food for us. Right. Yeah. So she would come to school and she has this boiled maize and she has packed it in a bag yeah. and she'd be selling to my schoolmates. The first time she came, I wished the ground would open. I just get in and yes. die because yeah. everybody will talk about it. They're going to ask whose mom is that. And then when one of my friends just said, oh, I'm going to buy boiled maize from that woman who sells the maize at the gate. She was telling me. Then I took in a deep breath and I just told her, that's my mother. Yeah. And that sort of gave me the freedom to own the space where I was, yeah. accept that I'm here. And my mom is coming to school to sell the, the boiled maize so they can, she can give me the little money to pay for my school fees. And she did that for the next three years until wow. I finished. She came every other Saturday. Wow. And so this girl comes to me and she says, okay, I can see you're struggling. I would like to really help you. Yeah. But don't expect me to give you things. Yeah. I thought she was going to share with me money or something. But then she just told me, I will scoop everything I have for you, just in small bits. I'll scoop the oil, I'll scoop the, you know, the, I'll give you a few of my pads, I'll give you mm. just a little bit of everything. Mm. But the statement that she gave me that really carried my day was, that Christine, just remember, the education you'll get from here is an equalizer. It will not put you in a place where anybody will care where you came from. Yeah. So you just make sure you make use of that pen. Just wow. make sure. Just make wow. use of that pen. I wasn't one of the top students, mm -hmm. but I know I worked hard. Yeah. I wasn't a top student. I didn't go all the way to university because I didn't make the grades. Mm -hmm. But then I knew that what I had in my hand was going to make me go a long way. Yes. So we go to school with that. this girl. She was just about to leave and she visited my, my cubicle every time and just told me, how are you doing? Mm. Uh, my parents have come. They've brought me stuff, but mm. I'm not going to give you things. Mm. Because if you get used to getting things, you, you might not see the reason why you need to at least have your own little things. So she'll just share with me the basics and yeah. she tells me, you know, I have a bigger bottle of oil, but mm. the oil in this bottle and the oil I'm giving you is, in, is, is the same. Yes. It's only that my bottle is bigger and yours is smaller. Yeah. I don't know. You know those angels that God sends your way? Yeah. And then at the end of that, I never got to see her. I never met her again. Wow. I don't know where she went. When we parted at school, she went and I never got to hear about her. Wow. I had no... I had no means to track her. Mm. I lived in the village. Yeah. I don't know where, where she came from. We just parted ways. She went and I went my way. Mm. I wish I could meet her. I wish I met her. I wish she saw the kind of person I became. Mm. But I don't but, know where do you she remember went. her name? Yes, yes. She was called Penina. I, I can't, I could not, I tried social media, I yeah. tried everything. Yeah. I, I asked my classmates and they would keep on asking, who was that? Which one was that? Who was wow. she? What house? You know, and they wouldn't trust. I so couldn't trust Penina. Wow. She was, she was two classes ahead of, she, when she was doing her, her form six, I was then sitting for my four, four exams, you know. 
Yeah. The one that bridges people to go to university. But I never met her again. Up to this day, I'm talking. I didn't. Yeah. Yes. But that so was that meant to be, helped. I think. Yeah, that, that was it. Yes. And I'm sure she, you know, she's, you're with her still today. I know that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes I wish I could cross paths with anybody related to her or yeah. just a family or, but then, you know. Yeah. That's it. But you've passed anyway. it on in a way. You know? Yes. Yes. In a thousand ways. Yes. In a thousand ways. Yes. In a hundred ways. In mm. so many ways that I can't even explain. So every so when I do school programs, mm. I go to a school, I get the girls together, and I handpick a team. Mm. And I say, if you only help one girl. You will have helped a community. If you only support one girl in whichever way. If you come from a well-to-do family, somebody's in your class, they're struggling with the school fees, talk to your parents. Mm. Let them support one girl. So when I left school, I trained as a lab technologist. Okay. I worked in the labs for a little bit, but deep down in my heart, I knew yeah. I wanted to be a teacher. Because then if I got to be a teacher, I'd be able to influence the students. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be able to be in that place of authority yeah. to tell students to, to help each other. And they would listen because the teacher has said. Yeah. So I, I quit the job in the laboratory wow. wanting to really teach But that time in our country, there was so much corruption that you would not go to college if you didn't know somebody. So you needed to have a godfather. But then one day, uh, I woke up. This time, it, uh, this uh, space in my life, I'm married young. I'm 21 turning 22. I really don't know what direction my life is going. I want to get to, I want to find a place of my own, my own home. I want to find a place where I can, uh, you know, think that it's going to be safe. Mm. But very quickly, I noticed that marriage was not the, the, the safe haven that I was thinking. But anyway, all the same, I have children, uh, a pair of twins. One of them is wow. uh, mentally challenged and the other one is wow. okay. So I'm now a mother of two. I'm 21 turning 22. And I, I, I really don't know. I'm in between uh, career. I'm in between jobs. I have to think about how to take care of my children. How am I going to continue with uh, this dream of becoming a teacher? How will I ever go to college? And all that is going through my mind. So one morning I just get up. I have now moved from the village. I've come to the city And I get up one morning and I'm just thinking, there are still angels walking this world. I wish I could just find somebody who can listen to me and I tell them, I would like to go to a teacher's training college, but I don't know anybody to pave my way. Mm. So I, I, I go to a general hospital, ask me why I went there. I don't know. I just take a stroll go through town and there's this big national hospital where women would go for 
family planning clinics that were free then. And I'm thinking, I don't have, I don't want many, many, another child now. I have a mentally challenged child. I have another one and I don't know how I'm going to feed them and I don't want another one. Why don't I just get myself into a family planning clinic, listen to them, find out what really happens there. So I go to this hospital and I'm just sitting all by myself on a, a bench outside. My mind is just running wild. I'm looking at all these women and I'm thinking, could anybody be in a space where I am? Fearing to have more children, having a child you can't take care of. I don't know how long my baby will live. She's mentally challenged. She's now two years old. I don't have a proper career. How am I going to go through life? So uh, a lady comes walking towards me. I lift my face and I see she was my former principal in the high school where I went. And she's so excited to see me. She calls me by name, Christine, what are you doing here? I'm so beside myself. I say, I've come for a family planning clinic. And I don't know what else I said. (laughs) (laughs) Then she asked me, what are you doing? I said, I'm working at a laboratory, but I would like to be a teacher. I would like to go to a teacher's training college. She said, really? I said, yes. And she said, I'm going to go to the office where they put the names of those who want to go to college. And within two weeks, you go check at the office and see whether your name will have been picked. I don't think I was sleeping those two weeks. I was praying. I was hoping. I was believing. I was just saying, please, if there was anybody to be picked, it's me. So I was. My name was picked for a teacher's training college. Oh, wow. I had to cross a bridge, leave my my children behind, the, the ill child and the other one, there are two. I just put cotton wool in my ears mm. and I went to college because it was not a day school. It was, a, it was like um, almost 700 kilometers away from, from where my children were going to be. Like. So I just left the children yeah. and I just told their father, I'm going to school. Yeah. And I didn't want a discussion. Mm. So I went to college my ears all blocked. I'm not thinking about the children mm-hmm. because I won't concentrate. And so I got myself very busy playing hockey, netball, making friends, having fun, screaming yeah. above what was actually killing me on the inside. Yes. So to, at the end of two years, I finished. Wow. And I got a teaching job. And my journey with the girls and the students yeah. and the women begun there. Um, I'm, I don't know what to say, Christine. <laughs> We've crossed oh. paths, so oh <laughs> this might mean a lot to you. Yeah. And I think the salaries that we, we, were, we were being paid as primary school teachers have, have been very meager. Yeah. And I decided that I would pick a student every year. I picked one student. Yeah. And anonymously, ah. I would pay either for lunch or wow. I would buy uniform or I'll buy the books or yeah. I'll just do something. Yeah. And I knew 
I, I was so much in need because um, my husband has never really had a stable employment over the years. So the income, I had to really brace myself. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought if I don't help somebody, I will always keep looking at what I don't have. So I must look at what I have. Mm-hmm. And the first school where I taught for the first two years was in a slum. Wow. And the children would go through a very difficult time. Mm-hmm. And they would come to school. One day, this particular child comes to school and he had a thumb that had been crushed. Oh, my God. So I asked, I asked him, David, what, what's wrong? Who crushed your thumb? And he said, my father gave me five shillings to go and buy him cigarettes. And then the bigger boys, I met big boys on the street. Ah. They robbed me and I couldn't buy. So when I went back home to tell my father had been robbed, he crushed my thumb and told me that I should have been strong enough as a man to fight the boys and, and not allow them to take the money. That was the end of my life in that school. I just felt like I can't deal with mm-hmm. children who are struggling so hard. And I'm also dealing with crazy parents. Yes. So when I finished my um, probation, yeah. which was two years from the government, because That's they had long. trained me, I wow. finished my probation. The day I finished my probation, I resigned yeah. from that school. I, I resigned from the government. I left because yeah. I could not handle the emotional yeah. upheavals that the children were going through. I, I know the girls who are going through sexual abuse, either by their, parents, their fathers or mm-hmm. the people in the neighborhood, because it was just a slum yeah. where anything was going on. Yeah. And the girls would come and tell me, yesterday my mother, the mothers were real commercial prostitutes. My mother brought home another man <laughs> and she told me I must be paid 20 shillings and that man I must give her to buy food. And I just said, my heart can't handle this. Yeah. I must leave. Yeah. So I left. Yeah. I'm on a journey again to look for a job in a different school. And one morning I'm just saying, May I find a school where there are sane parents that I can be able to work with mm-hmm. and kids who will understand where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. So I got a job in a private school mm-hmm. and I worked there for 25 <gasps> straight years. Wow. I intentionally stayed for those years because I knew that I was dealing with different kids mm-hmm. every year. Yeah, well. So I was not counting like, oh, I've been here for 10 years. I've been here for 11 years. I knew every year Mm. I'm meeting different children. So that's what kept me going. And at the beginning of every year, I would sit at every single desk Mm. and write a personal letter Mm. to every child. My name is Christine. I'm going to be your teacher this year. I'm so glad you're coming on my team. I would like to know a few things about you, about your family, about yourself. How many are you in your family? Are you Mm -hmm. the first born, second born, third born? Is your family blended or is it nuclear? Do you live with both your parents or do you live with only one parent? Mm -hmm. So that in my mind, Mm -hmm. I'm understanding Mm -hmm. the kid that is sitting on that desk. 
I'm not just having a statistic. I have 25 children. I know individuals. Mm. Where are you coming from? What what do your parents do? Do they have jobs? Mm. Are they who brings you to school? What? So I want to know you as an individual. And then I would say, if there is anything that you'd like to know about me, yeah. please ask. I'll tell you. So wow. that we can be able to bond and we have a year that yeah. and I made, I think I created my own product on that desk that I sold to the students and then the parents bought in. Yeah. And um, by February of the year, because our year begins in January, oh, right. by February towards the end, I will have almost visited every single home. Wow. represented in my class. Wow. I just want to come home and see what kind of home yeah. do you come from? What world are you living in? Yeah. You know, where do you live? Yeah. Who are your parents? And so that I can have a, a direct connection. Then from there, I would know if there's a child who has a need, mm-hmm. I understand where it is coming from. Then how do I help? Because I had really wanted somebody to help me on my journey. Yeah. That's such a, a mission. I love it. I could listen to you for weeks, Christine. I mean, really, I'm just curious to know yes. when you know so much about everyone, which is so beautiful. And yeah, I'm just, I can't, I have no words for how important really it is to understand everyone's world, but how were we able to, because you have actually 25 students in front of you to, yes. to have like, even though, you know, they're individuals to have also like the teaching going like a whole, like to separate between those two and to connect the dots. How did you manage to sort of drag everyone in, even though you knew they were from all different situations and families and backgrounds to have this unity? Is there a magic you know, <laughs> trick for that? No. Well, you know, we, I would get to class and because I've written a, a handwritten note, not an SMS, on a piece of paper mm. and I would write it in my own handwriting and it is an individual note to you mm. and I would write, Dear Mary, I'm glad you're in my class this year. I know you don't know a lot about me. I don't know anything about you either. Mm-hmm. And we don't even know what the year has for us. But I'm just hoping that we will both understand each other. You might not like me. Even me. I don't like everybody. No. But we are going to do with what we have. Let's see how far we can go. Yeah. You know. So that way, then the children knew, I know you individually. I'm interested in you as a person. Then we would come to class and we close the door. Mm-hmm. And I would say, there are 26 of us in here. It's a new year. Everybody comes from a family. And every family here loves whoever they brought to this class. No bullying. Mm. It will not be allowed. Mm. Don't talk down to anybody. Mm. It doesn't matter where you come from because some kids really came from well-to-do families. Mm. 
And I told them that's the reason why we wear uniform. Mm -hmm. We get to this school and we are equal. Nobody is above another person. And everybody's going to respect everyone from where they sit. Then I would explain and say, I've arranged you in alphabetical order. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with performance. Because in my class, when I was growing up, the teacher arranged us according to our performance. And because I was one of the poor performers, I was always at the back of the class. Go sit back there. The good performers are going to sit in front so that, you know, I give them attention. That The average is going to be good because of them. So that really, it got into me that Mm. it's not fair, you know. Mm. So I took... I told the students, you're sitting where you're sitting because you're student number one because your name is Abigail. (laughs) It begins with an A. And all your books, your locker, your books, everything will be labeled one. Mm -hmm. Why? Because you're Abigail. I'm positioning you alphabetically. Yeah. That way, then I know where you're sitting. It has nothing to do with your performance. Mm. And that way, the students will calm down and know I'm not comparing. I'm not really interested in whether you're, you know. And that does, because it did something to me. I knew it would do something to the students. Of course. Yeah. And I just tell them, you know, that number I've given you is just a number. Just to help me know whose book am I looking at, whose locker is this, whose bag is this, whose, you know, so that I can just know to identify. That's nothing to do with your academic performance, nothing. Oh, that's beautiful. But yeah. But I got it from my own experience. Yeah. As I watched and I felt I'm always kept in the corner, you know, Mm -hmm. I'll never be awarded for something. Yeah. So and then I looked out for what to award the children. Yeah. Good behavior, handwriting, you know, yeah. keeping time so that everybody has something going for them. Yeah. You know, there, there's one particular student that I wrote a little, at the end of the year, we would, um, for every different class, there was a different thing we used to do. So every other year we would pick names and the name you picked, you gave a gift, like a keepsake. So I, I was also in the box. So I picked one student and I, uh, I wrote a little note to her. She was not one of the, the performers that time that year. And I told her, you know, Mary, remember you're 12 years old. You have a whole life ahead of you. 12 years of having lived in this world can't judge the abilities that you have. It can't judge the talents. It can't judge the strength. 12 years is too few. And I just wrote one sentence at the bottom. I said, you will surprise yourself. When she went through university, she sent me back a small, she took a picture of that little note I had written her that I had stuck in the gift. I bought her a small Bible. So she took a picture and sent it back to me. And she said, teacher, see, I have surprised myself. So there are many stories 
when I visited um, when I visited South Africa about maybe was it three years ago, I just put on my Facebook page. I said, I'm coming to South Africa. I'm going to Cape Town. Anybody, any alumni from Thicker Road Christian School, please raise up your hand. Are you there? And one of the, the, the boys said, I'm here. Are you coming? I'll come and pick you up from the airport and you'll come and stay with me. So I stayed with him for 10 days. I didn't have to pay hotel. Wow. I didn't have to buy food. <laughs> I mean, the stories are endless. Wow. And I've followed my students up. You know, you they are getting married. I'm there for your wedding. They're, you know, they're having babies. I'm there too. One particular student actually found me waiting outside the maternity uh, room. And she had gone to deliver. And I was waiting out there because somebody had told me, you know, you know who is going to get a baby today? So-and-so is at the hospital. She's about to get a baby. And, you know, our our culture, really, we are not so, mm-hmm. we are not too tight on that kind of thing. Anybody can come and just wait for your baby. So <laughs> I was there. I was there waiting for my baby. <laughs> and she's like, you're here? I said, yeah, I'm waiting for my grandbaby. Look at the kind of mother you've become. So. I have too many stories about the children and the students. Those are now in my school. I have gone to other schools and just randomly picked a student. (laughs) Randomly. In fact, there's a lady on our team, Resilience. She's called Suzanne. Yeah. I picked a student and one of my friends, Mariana, connected me to Suzanne. And I told Mariana, I have this girl whose father wants to marry her off and she really wants to go to school. If she can only find somebody to pay school fees for her, she will stay in school. She doesn't have to go home and she'll be able to finish school. And Suzanne told me, I'm willing to pay. Suzanne is on this resilience team. I didn't know her. Mariana connected us. I told her, you've got to trust me. Because I'm not running an NGO. Yeah. I'm not running a, um, I don't have a registered something because yeah. in our country, the moment you register like an organization, mm-hmm. the government eyes on that organization, suddenly you have too many people interested in what oh. you're doing. And all of a sudden, then you lose the trail of what oh. you wanted to do. Wow. But for me, it was one support for one girl. That will be it. And you got to trust me. So Susan sends the money for school fees. I get the money from the bank. I get on the next matatu because I don't drive. One day I will. So I get on public means and I go a long way to look for that girl's family. And I find them. I tell them I've come to see you. I've come to support Dockers. And I would like us to go to school so that I can be able to pay her school fees. I do a recorded video yeah. uh, for Susan. And then uh, I get on a WhatsApp uh, video yeah. call and she sees Dockers. She sees the mother of Dockers. Oh we are in God. their school. We have a conversation. And it is such an emotional time just <sighs> to know. You can support a girl you might yeah. never meet on this side of eternity. That's so true. How much does it cost to support a girl to go to school? Uh, sometimes it just sometimes it depends on yeah. 
the school where the girl goes. Like, yeah. let's say, uh, minimally, sometimes it's about maybe, uh, about, uh, let me think in dollars, not in yeah. shillings. Yeah. Uh, maybe about $500 or six mm. per year. And I know that is a figure that is affordable mm. for a girl to be kept in school. Wow. We don't know what is going to go on now that this lockdown and all mm. the schools are closed. I turn in my bed every night yeah. thinking about those girls yeah. who are now being married off. Now they're becoming mothers just because they can't go to school. But I know a, a few will be rescued. Like now Doka's finished school and she really wants to go to a teacher training college. Susan yes. sent me a WhatsApp um, call this morning. She sent me a WhatsApp yeah. recorded uh, uh, call and she told me, Christine, how is Docas doing? Can we continue? And I called Docas's mother today just to find out where Docas is. The exactly. lockdown has locked Docas with her grandmother. She has a very elderly grandmother. So oh. she's looking after the grandmother and the mother is far away. They can't now, we can't cross. We are like locked down yeah. in Nairobi. You can't leave to go here, to go yeah. here. But then I talked to Docas this morning and she says, I'm keeping myself. I don't leave the compound at all. Because if I leave the compound, I will be the next victim for circumcision. Oh. <laughs> and I'll be the next victim for marriage. <laughs> so I don't leave my grandmother's little compound. I'm mm. just here. Yeah. I don't go anywhere. How old is she? Dokaz is, she, she, she should be going to 17 now. Yeah, okay. Yes. Wow. Yes. So let's, let's pray for her that she will stick to the school and get the teacher's training and yes. you know, with, with, with your support. Then I'll pass on the kind of teacher I was to her. Exactly. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Christine, I, we could talk forever and I hope yes. that we will connect again and maybe even tonight we will meet. <laughs> Thank you so much. We've, we've talked for almost one hour. Yeah, I can't believe so it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Please put it on the walls everywhere. I know, <laughs> and I would love to see you on Oprah show. Thank you so much. Maybe just, you know, somebody was asking me, one lady was asking me, how do you make a living? And I just said... Um, one day at a time works for me many times. Mm -hmm. I wish I could accumulate, you know, stuff and just be sure that uh, this is mine and this is mine. Mm -hmm. But then it has never been so. So one day at a time, I would have liked to be in that space of the woman who owns this home and owns that and, you know, but then I am not in that space. And every time I... I get to be okay with what is. I want to stop at the shopping center and talk to somebody. I want to pick up somebody on Facebook page and side chat them and ask them, how can I help you? I want to, I want to mobilize women and say, how can you not help that lady? She's in your town, find her, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Thank, Thank you, you so much. And I See love you tonight. Us. Yes. <laughs> See you tonight. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye.